This is the Personal Finance Show. Hi, I'm Bo Humphreys, and this is The Personal Finance Show. Lindsay and Graham Plum want you to be unstoppable with your personal finances. If you're 30 to 45 years old, for example, and you have a couple of kids and a mortgage, maybe unstoppable is not the first word that comes to mind when you think of your finances. But this is actually the most important time of your life financially. This is the time when tracking your spending, paying down your mortgage, having the right insurance, and building up that emergency fund is crucial. And then there's the investing part. Do you want to put some away for the kids' education and an RESP account? And what about investing for retirement? Lindsay and Graham know how hard it is to wrap your head around all this stuff. They were working in the traditional mutual fund and insurance business and realized there wasn't a whole lot of holistic financial planning available. Holistic financial planning is when someone looks at your whole financial picture. Do you have debt? Do you have existing investments that cost too much? What are your goals around money? Do you want your kids to have an education fund or would you rather they take out loans themselves in the future and learn something in the process? Do you have an emergency fund? Do you have insurance? And when Lindsay and Graham tried to help clients with basic personal finance stuff like tracking and budgeting, the company they worked for told them, we don't do that here. How are they going to make you unstoppable if all they were allowed to do was sell you products and then send you on your way? This is the story of Lindsay and Graham Plum and their company, Moolah Financial Coaches and Advisors. I was actually just talking to my mom about this last night, about okay. how it was right from the beginning for me with, with how she handled finances. And there was nothing magic about it. And we didn't talk about financial planning or anything like that at home. But watching how she managed her money, how she did her grocery shopping, what it took to put her kids in extracurricular activities and go on vacations. I mean, it was one of the most embarrassing things in my entire life. My mom used to pull over on the side of the road and make us pick up empty bottles and cans. Really? And then we would take them to the the depot. Yeah. Like to, so you're talking about sailing, like building the travel fund, the vacation fund or, or exactly. on a vacation. Yeah. Um, building, building, building it up. But she just like sort of everything was out in the open. We're planning, we're saving, watching every cost, like tracking everything. Is that what she did? Yeah. I mean, she wasn't, um, she's, she wasn't meticulous. She was just, you know, real common sense. We had a, I think it was a stove box, you know, from Home Depot or something like that in our garage, mm -hmm. um, an empty box. And that's where all of our cans went. And we would, we would fill up the entire box. And she knew that the box, you know, was worth X number of dollars. And that we had to do that X number of times to be able to go to Hawaii, for example. How would she know? <laughs> I guess from experience of from filling experience. it up. Yeah, um, exactly. So I mean, that, these are good lessons to learn, I guess, when you're young. I mean, uh, instead of just slapping it on the credit card. Yeah, yeah, and and like like I say, it wasn't it wasn't a like, well, maybe she was doing meticulous tracking in the background, but that was certainly not not my perspective at all. Um, my perspective was just, oh, well, we have this goal to go on a family vacation to Hawaii, you know, next year, two years from now, or whatever the time frame was. And in order to do that, we as a family needed to work and not, you know, work in a job, but we needed to do certain things like pay attention to how we were spending our money. And that super embarrassing experience of her pulling over on the side <laughs> of the road, like right in front of friends sometimes. So we'd have to jump out and oh, pick no. up this can. Oh, it was just the worst thing ever. But, you know, it laid a foundation 
to having a plan and to be willing to think outside the box. And I've really brought that into, um, you know, into my coaching practice. Why do you think uh, people don't start that way? Why do you think people are just really uncomfortable with looking at their finances? Why, why doesn't everybody say, hey, we, okay, you want to go on that vacation? Well, you got to save up for it and do some kind of work, some kind of mm-hmm. effort to do it. Why do you think people don't do that? You know what? It's it's funny because I, you know, my Facebook group is is pushing five thousand people, and we talk about this stuff every day, day in and day out. And in I got all these coaching clients, and this is the kind of stuff that we've been talking about for years. And I still don't know what it is because for me, you know, it's it's like in my DNA to do it the way that I do it and to have these mm-hmm. plans. And I can't I can't find the differences to to really pinpoint them. But of course. You know, we have society and marketing and busy lives and the keeping up with the Joneses and all of that stuff. It's just easier to click some buttons and use our credit card to pay for that vacation rather than putting the plan in place. And, you know, I think it. we can say it goes all the way back to how our parents manage money and how they teach us, as well as um, the kind of financial education we're getting in schools. And then the mistakes people are making right right out of school, credit cards and big student loans and, and uh, you know, trying to be cool with their, with their friends and, uh, and, and buying all the, all the newest things. And then these habits develop. And now that's just the way they, you know, do life is click, click, click. And, and here we go on vacation. <laughs> And sometimes that's fine, right? Like sometimes it's okay if you can afford it. Um, Absolutely. And people only realize that they they don't have good money management abilities or strategies when the money disappears and Mm -hmm. then then they have to get into borrowing. But um, I think this is going to be something that we're going to be working on probably for a long time. It's just correcting and re-educating. Uh, it's just something that's there. That's why what's why we're doing what we're doing in terms of the financial literacy and coaching part mm-hmm. of it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And what about uh, what about Graham? You're, uh, Graham, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I was I really was raised in a different kind of family where you know money didn't get talked about a lot. And when I did begin to realize about money, my dad worked in the construction industry, and um, this was in 1997 to 1999. And basically the housing industry just fell flat. And so kind of, I woke up to money and my family was going bankrupt. (laughs) And so it was like a totally different experience where um, I started to realize what money was and how it worked. And we were selling all of our stuff, putting a few items in a U-Haul and moving from Ontario to British Columbia to sort of start anew just before the year 2000. Okay. So wait, so your, so your family goes bankrupt in Ontario Yes, and you you basically you lose you lose everything and you start fresh in BC and and yeah. how old are you? I was twelve. Okay, so at tw- so this is a this is like a trial by fire in terms of yeah. uh, personal finance education <laughs> for you. So yeah. w- what happened when you got to BC? Did did uh, did things change? I assume they would have to, had to if you starting fresh. Yeah, I mean I, I mean looking back, it was it was quite an experience you know, for my dad and my mom to say, okay, it's not working here. You know, they just built a brand new four bedroom house when the market was good. Mm. And then the market sort of fell out, couldn't sell the house for a hundred thousand dollars. And basically, you know, walked the keys into the bank and said, you know, we can't make the payments on this. We're going to move to a different province and then drove the U-Haul across Canada. Just, you know, and so, you know, my dad had done a bit of research and he was a renovator by trade. So we moved to Victoria, which had tons of old homes and he started a new business out here and has done really, really great over the last sort of 15, 20 years. Now they have a really big, booming, successful business in um, renovations. That's great. So they figured it out and then you just started slow. And then, so what did you learn as you went along? Did you start? Uh, like you went through bankruptcy, so are you were you saving your money like ever pin- pinching pennies for yourself? Uh, what about school? So you know, through high school, 
I really didn't learn. I really didn't learn a lot about money from my parents. And then, you know, I worked for my dad growing up from when I was 16, but I always spent all of my money. I, I never had any savings or anything like that. And my parents didn't really have a lot of savings either. They were sort of rebuilding from the bankruptcy and no credit. Uh, and so when I went and finally got a real job and worked for somebody else, I, I moved away. And so I bought a car, um, a $10,000 car, and I had a payment for that. And then I got a credit card at the same time because you know my credit was okay back then and they would give you credit cards. And then I racked up my $10,000 credit card sort of over a year period of time. And then I found myself at 20 years old with a $10,000 loan on a car and a $10,000 credit card payment. And I moved back to Victoria where I made less money because... Victoria don't make a ton of money in construction back then. And so my income had dropped from about $3,000 a month down to $2,000 a month. Mm. And I had about $600 in payments. And I had this experience, yeah, of, oh, I don't have any money anymore. Like I'm paying rent and then I have $600 in payments. I have no money. Wow, I'm totally screwed. Like, what was I thinking? And, And so all of a sudden, I really woke up to the fact that cash flow is so awesome. And I don't have any of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't. You don't, you don't, you don't know what you, know, you got having, till it's gone, right? Yeah, right. Totally. So all of a sudden, I had no cash flow, and so my my parents were always very encouraging of personal development. And so I took a personal development course, and in that course, I kind of shared my financial woes. And at the end, someone who was a financial planner came up to me and said, "Hey, I'm a financial planner, and if you want, I can teach you how to get out of debt and you know be more successful financially." Well, that's, ran- and that's I random. I remember that feeling. Yeah, it was totally random. You know, she was in the course to do personal development and I had shared my woes and boom, met up afterwards. And I just remember being, okay, like not sure what you can help me with. I don't have any money. And she sat me down and did a phenomenal job of financial planning and almost like not what we would, you know, if we all walk into a bank or to an investment planner, we don't get mm. a lot of debt management. No, I shouldn't say a lot of, we get zero debt zero. management. <laughs> exactly. uh, we don't get a lot of life planning, you know, planning at all. And so what she did though, is she actually made a game plan for me on exactly the payments I needed to make and a get out of debt date. Oh, wow. Okay. And I immediately had a goal. I had a plan and it was, it was that light bulb moment where no work had to be done. And I immediately saw action steps to take. Those are the best and kind of a, plans. It was the best kind of plan. You know, I didn't have to do anywhere. I just had to follow the plan. So I followed that plan. Uh, she also made me a savings plan. She said, you know, if you save this much money per month, you'll have this much money by the time you're 25. And I just followed this plan. I just paid down my debt. I saved my money. And then we were able to buy our first house at 25, 24 years old. Okay. And so it totally changed my life. So yeah, chance encounter leads to what were you doing for work? So I was working construction uh, at age 20, 21. And then when I met this financial planner, she was looking for people to come and work with her. And so I began my training right then too. And I started taking my classes and courses and, you know, doing the um, life insurance courses and mutual fund course and that sort of thing right around 21. And so, uh, Lindsay, you still Mm -hmm. there? Yeah, you're there. You're you're taking all of this in. That's right. You know all this stuff, of course. Of course. (laughs) When you started working, how did your, like the lessons you learned from your mom, how did they play into your, like, I have money now, I'm making money. How did that help you? Growing up, I was, I was really able to um, implement this simplistic, common sense approach to money in my teenage years. Uh, Already, yeah. Yeah, I, I got a, I had a loan from the bank to buy my first car when I was 15 years old. Okay, and nice. it was funny because all of us couldn't figure it out. They didn't even want anybody to co-sign for me back then. And <laughs> they my just parents, trusted you so much. They just trusted me. Yeah. And, and I said to my mom, you know, like, you guys were crazy. What were you thinking? Letting a 15-year-old take out a loan. Well, do you remember how much it was? Yeah, it was about three thousand dollars. It was either three thousand or thirty five hundred. You could do a lot of damage at fifteen with three. You sure can. <laughs> yeah. And and she said, you know, we just we knew that you'd you you were responsible and you'd take care of it. She said we had no concerns whatsoever. And I'll never forget it was forty one dollars every two weeks. Wow. And I was probably making, you know, nine or ten, maybe eight, I don't know, dollars an hour on the weekends. My mom was waking up at six AM to drive me to work because I was the opening shift of this little coffee shop. Wow. <laughs> like, 
And she would drive me to work because, you know, at 15, I still didn't have my license. I had this car and this car loan, but I couldn't drive myself. And, uh, and so, you know, I think. Yeah, let's wait. Let's step back for a sec. You had this car, but legally, when, when could you be licensed? Uh, 16. Yeah. So you, you actually planned ahead to have a car by the time you were 16. Yep. This, This is great. Yeah. So yeah, and you, I got this super sweet 1981, like bright, bright sky blue Volkswagen uh, Cabriolet. Like I had the <laughs> cool car at school, and here I was. I was working, and and yeah. So she was she was waking up super early to get me to work, and you know my paychecks. Let's say they they were about 200 bucks if I worked 20 hours, um, you know, over over two weekends, sure. and uh, and my car payment was 41 dollars. Okay. And you know, 15, 16 years old, and you, you obviously have no other payments at that point in your life, yeah. and uh, and you know, that. no, yeah, no cell phone bills back then, and so I was able to really, really easily pay off this car, which set me up for incredible credit. You know, I bought my first oh, house sure. when, I was, yeah. when I was 24 years old, and I'll never forget the mortgage broker saying, "I've never seen credit like yours with somebody your age." You know, it was high 800s or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, that's I mean that's kind of the best uh, yeah. you can get. So you uh, so you bought your first house at 24 if we can jump ahead. You're in Victoria, right? That's right. Yeah. And what uh, can you reveal how much that house cost or in, in around the range uh, for Yeah, it was somewhere around 400,000. I think it was 390. Wow. Something like that for yeah. uh, for a half duplex. Okay. Um, in a you know lower cost of living part of town. Sure, starting somewhere, uh, right? Exactly. Yep. And it's it's kind of funny. I you know I I didn't necessarily do what uh, what I would encourage others to do, but um, I was going to school at that time, and I was working on the weekends, and you know, great with money, of course, and um, but I took a student loan anyways, just because I qualified for it. And then I uh, put it in a, I locked it into a GIC <laughs> at that <Okay>. point <laughs> on a GIC. Nice. <laughs> so then two years after um, I did that, I, I used that money because I didn't use it for school. I used that money for the down payment on my house. <laughs> 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 wow, you're just like gaming the system right now. Oh, yeah. This is oh, yeah. great. So I'm going to connect to you guys now. H- had you met at this point or this is all pre you uh, 2 meeting? Yeah, yeah. This was this was pre, uh, pre-relationship. So you have a house. You're, yeah. you're basically, uh, you, uh, well, we talked about arbitrage before the, the show started, <laughs> but you're basically use, using the loan money. This is like OSAP? Or not OSAP, but uh, BSAP, whatever the uh, uh, BC OSAP uh, is, the student loan plan. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was a uh, yeah, a mixture of uh, you know provincial and and sure. and federal. Yeah, that's great. And uh, yeah. of course, so yeah, yeah and you get your GIC, then use that for a down payment. You got this house. How long ago was this? This was in two thousand seven. Two thousand seven. So, be- so just over yeah. ten years ago, because we're in yeah. twenty eighteen now. And uh, you probably have uh, a pretty good uh, remaining mortgage, if if any. Yeah, so that that house is now is now uh, is now gone. Oh, you um, sold that uh, one already. Yeah, yeah, we sold that one. What did we do after that, Graham? We sold that house, and we didn't actually have it for that long. About two thousand nine, maybe. So, did you guys live together in that house? Then you met, or no? We never lived together in that house. Okay, so Graham, uh, then Graham, did you have? Uh, were you awesome and uh, used the government money to uh, get a house of your own? I was not awesome. <laughs> uh. Opposites attract. <laughs> but you're working as a as a CFP at this point. No, no, I didn't have my um, a CFP, and I was. I'm actually three years younger than Lindsay. Okay. So she's 24 buying her first house. I'm 21 still. Yeah. So I'm like just starting. You're in just my, starting construction. I'm just finishing up construction, okay. moving into finances. Oh, you just, okay. That's when you met the, the, lady, the planner. The planner. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, yeah, I, I bought a house in Nanaimo. Okay. So a different house when I was 24. Lindsay had her house when she was 24. Oh, oh okay. This is hilarious. So about the same, <laughs> different cities. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. So did the C did sorry, you're 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 studying to get your CFP or another designation or just to work in financial planning? What did you end up getting? Um, yeah, so so back when I was twenty one I did my life insurance course and my yeah. mutual funds course. Sure. And then uh, just last year actually I just completed my um, I think it's called FPSC level one. Like sure. you do all your courses the step, and the capstone. Yeah. And so my capstone is done and now I just have to write my two exams that come up in June and December, I think. So you always wanted to kind of get the, uh, uh, I guess, quote unquote, official designation, but you know, it's not necessary to right, yeah. do planning, No, but not it at was all. always something in the, in your mind that eventually I'll work towards this and, uh, and complete the courses. I think the certified financial planning designation is quite an interesting, you know, designations are what they are. It proves that you've learned something. Sure. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're using that information in your practice. And um, it could also be misleading too. If you see somebody sure. who's new with the with a CFP, but they have uh, zero experience, you're going to think, oh, they know everything, but maybe they don't. So yeah, yeah. I think people shouldn't rely exclusively on designations to build trust. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's totally right. I mean, you know, there's great accountants and then there's accountants who know all the information and maybe just can't apply it very well. That's right. Or whatever. I think it's uh, very similar. Yeah. So I think the CFP is a great designation. And I think, yeah, just take it with context. And so at 24, you have a house in Nanaimo. At yeah. 24, well, that's okay. So now it's three years apart. So Lindsay would be 27. And Correct. when did you guys meet then? We met in 2008. We started dating in 2009. We got married in 2010. Okay. And we had our first little guy in 2011. Ooh. How, and how many, how many little, little people do you have? Uh, two. Two of them. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, one got... of them's six? Yeah, exactly. We have a turning, se- turning seven? Yeah. Uh, not until September, September but yeah. September, yeah. Yeah, and a almost three-year-old. Okay, okay. Yeah, so both boys. What were you doing for work, Lindsay? I was. Did we get there yet? We, we haven't got there. What was I doing at that? <laughs> we haven't got there. Point. I was working as a volunteer coordinator for our local tourism bureau. What did you do uh, for school? What did you get in school? My job. I would. I did uh, uh, business admin. Okay, and yeah. Uh, yeah. marketing at school. Very useful. Um, very useful, yeah. And then uh, I loved tourism. I was I was working in the um, you know kind of event side of of the industry, the meeting planning and events. And I thought I was going to be an event planner. Um, sure. And the more meeting and event planners I met, the more I realized that that wasn't the lifestyle that I wanted. The, the um, life of uh, burnout. Is that? Yeah, <laughs> it's the life of burnout. There's a heck of a lot of traveling if you're doing big you know, conferences. And if you're doing small local events, guess who's the first one to be cut if there's any kind of recession or budget crunch. Now the, you know, now office admin is is planning the Christmas party. (laughs) (laughs) Planner gets cut. That's right. People think that that anybody can plan an event. And I mean, I I used to work in the music business and uh, Mm. specifically at the Air Canada Center here. And it's not, you to run an event is very, very difficult. And you have to be able to deal with every personality with Mm -hmm. a smile. And it it, it's not easy and just to throw it on on somebody, but people are like, oh just you know, go get some balloons or something, right? Yeah. 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 It's it's a it's a very undervalued job and uh, Mm -hmm. they don't get the respect that they deserve. But you wanted to move into something else. Yeah, so I I was realizing that that wasn't what I wanted to do. Um, Decided to get my insurance license and then my mutual fund license. So I was doing that as well as as working. And then eventually, you know, after after several years of that, uh, decided that it was really you know where I wanted where I wanted to plant my flag in this industry. And at some point, you know, really specifically realized that I wasn't interested in the the typical financial services industry and that I really wanted to not, I was going to say educate, but not just educate people, but, you know, really guide them and coach them with their money. What, um, what drew you to mutual funds uh, and insurance sales in the first place though? What, what was enticing about that? Uh, what was started? enticing about it was, was, um, you know, the, the long-term vision um, realizing, well, I mean, at that point, 
point, you know, I was, I was probably thinking all the things that I now uh, judge and condemn the industry sure. for thinking. Uh, like, we got to start somewhere, right? Big commissions and yeah. and flexible hours and part time <laughs> part time uh, work schedule and I'm going to be a millionaire by selling <laughs> insurance and investments. <laughs> and, Which uh, is how it really went. And this was this would have been uh, what? How long ago is this then? Uh, yeah. So I got 2010s? licensed at the end of 2008. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah. Started. Yeah. Yeah. But you really realize started. you're in this and you you were selling insurance and and uh, and investments. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. but you didn't like the way that the standard industry was doing stuff. Well, you know what? It's it's um it's interesting because when you're right in the middle of it, you don't you don't even know that it's it's different. I, I find that uh, a lot of financial advisors they hang out with financial advisors. We experience we did a workshop with an amazing um team of business coaches late 2015 and in this workshop we were tasked with this exercise of um, what they what they termed um finding your calling and what that meant to them mm. was what experience do you want other people to have with you not your why not your you know your mission statement to your goals or any of that stuff from you know other workshops that we've we've done in in our past but you know what when somebody has an experience with you a conversation whatever it is what feeling do you want to leave them with sure and we boiled that down and we came up with this phrase that we wanted to leave people with the experience of being unstoppable yeah that's nice. And so we looked at the ways first that people were stopped in their finances. Sure. And it was everything from jargon to bankers' hours to fees, um, commissions, all all of it. And we we uh, looked at the traditional uh, companies in our industry, and we tried to figure out how we would implement this. You know, leaving people unstoppable philosophy. Um, inside the context of their, their sales system, their, you know, their product offering. Sure. Um, and we kind of came up against a wall of, we wanted to teach people how to budget because that's somewhere that people are stopped. Yeah. <clears throat> and remarkably, we actually couldn't get approval in, in some companies to teach budgeting. Really? Yeah, yeah. And Basic uh, financial literacy, uh, they didn't mm -hmm. think that that was valuable. Yeah. Not interested in us teaching that to people. <laughs> yeah, if you have a mutual fund license, um, budgeting is considered an outside business activity that you have to get approval for. Okay. Um, it's, it's, it's not like a, considered it's not part a human of the activity. It's a, you know, everyday <laughs> humans. Yeah. And outside of your mutual fund sales, um, you know, responsibilities. So it needs approval. And then... Um, that makes me really yeah. angry. I don't know. I don't know why. It just kind of triggers like... You're trying to tell me that I can't help people with basics, that I have to do yeah. this specific thing. So did you have a similar reaction? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. It just so we, um, you know, I explain it like we kind of looked at each other and decided to to jump off the cliff together and start our own company because we that's not how we wanted to operate. I think that people should be taught how to budget. Absolutely. And, and, you know, my, like I say, my Facebook group's nearing 5,000 people. And there's no way I could have had that approved if I worked for a bigger company. There's no, no way they'd let me run that group. Not I, a chance. I don't like the idea of approvals of any kind, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is why I work for myself. But uh, mm -hmm. let's just step back one sec. So, Graham, you were working as a planner or, or coach as well or selling uh, investments, all that kind of stuff, too? Yeah, so I was just doing investment and mutual fund sales. Okay, you guys were doing the same thing. Were you working together in a company? We started working separate, but then we were working together for the same company. Yeah, and so you're both in this same company then, and yep. you're able to have the same reactions and conversations. And obviously, you guys have similar philosophies. Uh, I don't I don't think the marriage would work uh, otherwise. <laughs> would it, would it? Well, I have a spending <laughs> Philosophy, oh. as a saving philosophy. Okay, well, that's yeah. No, I, those can be reconciled, right? Yeah, like every marriage. <laughs> but if if you, if Graham, if you thought that like you know two and a half percent MERs are great, you know management expense ratios on mutual funds, and uh, Lindsay was like, no, I don't think you guys could uh, move forward right. with that. So obviously, so you 
you guys decided we're going to go out on our own. Is that, was that a, a something that you kind of had an idea of how to do it? Or was it just like totally by the seat of your pants? No, it was interesting. Uh, wait, let me guess. Let me guess. No, go, go we, so we had taken this business course and we actually had another partner um, that was working with us too. Okay. And good. so we all, we all took the course together, the three of us. And we were like, we were on this call after, you know, our workshop and we're trying to figure out like, you know, we're sending emails to the company we're working for. And we're like, who are we going to talk to? Who can we, who will get on our side to change the company we're working in so that, you know, we can have a whole program around coaching and budgeting and sure. you know, teaching people those things. That would be so incredible. It would leave all the clients that are already at the company you know, just really move them along the unstoppable uh, timeline and we can implement the programs so that all the advisors can use it. This is going to be awesome. And like, we kind of ha- start heading down that path and then it's just like, no, 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 that's not how this company operates. That's not going to work here. You know, that's not going to generate any revenue. And so we're on a conference call after that sort of has happened and we've been really shut down and we're, and, and it's just kind of this like feeling and it's just silence on the phone. And it's like, why don't we just start our own company? Mm-hmm. I'm was, pretty sure I responded with, "No, no, you don't just start your own yeah. <laughs> your own company <laughs> in this industry." Yeah, like, sure, whatever, Graham. Let's just start it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's how far we were into you know the bubble. Was like that was such a far off uh, idea concept. Yeah, and I feel like that's sometimes what big corporations do. You know, they they want you to think a certain way, and you get kind of thinking that certain way. And so, oh yeah, once that idea had been unleashed. I think everyone's brain just started working on it, you know, subconsciously and consciously. And it, and it just got really crazy. And the research began on how do you start your own associate general agency, okay. you know, so that you can broker insurance from any company you want, you know, because like, you had to stay within this framework if you wanted to still be selling and advising on investments and insurance. Is insurance, that, is Exactly. That right? Yeah. So okay. then we're moving from a corporate world to an independent world. And, you know, how do we do that? And and what if we want to, you know, have a group of people who are all doing that together? And then we needed to find a, a mutual fund dealer who would approve our coaching program. <laughs> we didn't, but, but Graham, remember, we didn't even know what a mutual fund dealer was. <laughs> <laughs> we had a contract with the one that we worked with. Sure. But nobody, we didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah, be, yeah, because you just, what did you have, like just uh, some kind of dashboard on your uh, screen that said what products you could exactly. sell through the company? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You, you yeah, were part we of that. Even... So you had to learn all the little bits of this, <laughs> all the things, Everything. how to put, From the how ground to put together. And that, yeah. I mean, that sounds like a great education. I mean, you already know the products, you already know how to do what you're doing and how to help people. And now you know how it's all put together. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so that was what, like maybe three months of research. It was a lot of research, mm. and we just interviewed companies for, and we researched them and asked them, and you know, googled and read other people who had gone independent and began to learn this whole new world. And yeah, yeah. it was a ton, a ton of research and and planning and a lot of trial and error. Failing, failing right? You got to fail to learn. Yep. Absolutely, little yep. failures. That's we don't Absolutely. want. Nobody wants the big ones. Uh, right. yeah. they happen too but the little yeah. ones are the ones that are, are like okay well that's uh that was unfortunate but now i know where to go in this so you mm-hmm. did a lot of that mm-hmm. yeah so that was like late 2015 okay and yeah. and so we you know we started to try and put together a plan to leave the corporate company and start our own company and then we actually got to a place where we said we said hey you know what it's so crazy that we have this idea of starting our own company I think we should get even crazier in our thought process. We should actually quit working and <laughs> figure out what we want to do with our lives entirely. Yes, yes. Why are we even saying we're only going to do financial uh, literacy or planning or coaching? We should say like, whoa, 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 let's quit everything and recommit to our lives what we're going to do for a vocation. <laughs> totally. I, so recom- I recommend to that. that to anyone. I, I think yeah. it's a great process. If you're especially like, you know, you guys were obviously up against the wall many ways. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you quit your jobs. Yep. So we quit our jobs. We had, um, we lived on, we thought we had four months of savings. You know, we yep. said, okay, we can float ourselves for four months. You got two kids. We got two kids, mortgage yep. payment. And a mortgage, yeah. Okay. 
So we're like, okay, let's do that. So we quit our jobs. And like the first two months, we're just like brainstorming. We're like, what do we love? Like, what are our hobbies? What do we like researching? What YouTube videos do we watch when we're not working? <laughs> yeah, and how can we make yeah. money doing that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and awesome. so we, we went down that path and a lot of my hobbies you can't make money from, or I don't think we didn't think we'd be very, like, I love cars and there's very little I would want to do with cars <laughs> to make money. Like I don't want to sell them. True, I, you eh? know, I can't race them. And then otherwise my cars just cost money. So. But it's a great <laughs> exercise to go through. It's, it's, uh, you know, what do I like to do and how can I make it into a business? And yes. so you, yeah. you kept exploring what about you, Lindsay, did you find anything in your um, database? Not really. Not a whole lot came up for me. I know that I, I love people and I um, I was I was the kid in school. I was the chatty Kathy that, yeah. you know, I got in trouble for talking all every day. <laughs> every single report card said, you know, if she would just stop talking and apply herself, you know, she maybe, has so maybe much she'll be successful if she stops talking. <laughs> <laughs> and so that social, you know, wanting to talk thing really lines up with being a coach. It really, really does, doesn't it? And, and it really lines up with being a podcast host too, by the way. Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. People people think that these are negatives. Like, oh, you just can't stop talking and you, yeah. you're too friendly. And, and what, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. you're just so nice to people and you help them. And you're never going to get ahead this way. You know, exactly. I think it's, it's just so skewed, right? Oh, so, yeah. Oh, so yeah. you came up with, well, you came up with this company. Yeah. yeah so so we, we kept coming back to things that we loved. And like a lot of the things we loved were um, like having people be in a place where they have some kind of a barrier roadblock and then being able to walk them through and have them experience this like amazing experience of that's gone. And now I have access to something new. Oh, yeah. Opening doors. Opening mm-hmm. doors, being unstoppable. I love this unstoppable know. concept, by the way. Yeah, so, and, and, great and, choice. Yeah, and so, and then we just kept coming back to like, what's the biggest area we can make a difference for people in? And it's finance. It's like over and over again, financial planning and coaching just came back up. It was like, yeah, that's the place to do it. Like, yeah, you know, if you're gonna teach people anything, that's and and there's so many things you can encompass into it. It's such a m- massive space. And so we recommitted after, you know, after about three months and the money's starting to run out and we realized we probably only have three months of savings, not four months. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and we're like, way. yeah, yeah right? always. <laughs> especially when you're not working, you have to spend more money for some reason. <laughs> well, you got more so, time. You got, you got more time. Right. You're like, I want to do stuff. Yeah. yeah. We're like traveling to Vancouver, which is, you know, we live on Victor- uh, Vancouver Island. So we're going over there to like do courses and figure out what we want to do. So we're spending more money on the ferry and, and all those types of things. Um, and so we do all that. And then in about three months in, we decide to recommit to the financial services arena and to create our own company. That's, and that was, um, February, 2016. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We, so we almost, started our company. Almost two years. Almost yeah. two years. Yeah. Where I need to, pull out our uh, our incorporation uh, documents and find <laughs> out what our because we we knew that we wanted to you know create a pretty big company right from the beginning so incorporating was one of the very first things we did and uh, yeah I think it was February 15th or something on the paper yeah. so I uh, want you just run through some of the basics of like or the the, the whole yeah. theme of what you guys what, what you can do what you're able to do like is it start to finish like you can take people from the budgeting all the way to the investments and absolutely yeah yeah so um we took we took the concept of what is your calling and wanting to leave people unstoppable and we actually retook that that same workshop again okay and refined our callings after you know after diving deeper um graham came back to the same place as being that what he wanted to leave people with the experience of being unstoppable um and mine the 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 kind of phrase that that uh got coined um in that exercise for me the second time was i want to leave people like a boss (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) i want people to feel like a boss with their money and in not just with their money and all, you know, in the opportunity that I have to impact somebody, that's the experience I want them to have. And so we started this company knowing, you know, that that's, that's what we wanted to accomplish. Um, and what, where we're at now, two years later, is, uh, you know, working with middle income families, you know, a target market of 
say 30 to 45 year old parents making 50 to $150,000 a year, um, which typically is not a market that most financial firms want to be in. There's, there's nothing in it for them, right? There's and, and nothing in it for the them. They're the people that need it the most. They're, exactly. They need like every dollar counts when you got when you got kids, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, 150 grand a year in a, in a household, they've, you know, they're, they're making half decent income, but they still need financial planning. They're, they're, uh, there's not a lot of money to go around, meaning that financial planners typically in, you know, in the, uh, in the other companies, um, have a hard time earning enough commission there. And, uh, and, you know, it's, it's interesting. I've even been told that, that people, in our industry who are successful. One of them, one of them told me recently that um, they actually see what we do as like, as the, the goodwill and the, like the pro bono. <laughs> the pro bono yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, and it's really interesting because I think, you know, it's a, it's the biggest niche market I've ever seen in my life. It's 80% of Canadians, right? Yeah. It's <laughs> and, everybody. And, and you can serve so many people, especially, you know, not everybody needs like a, a, the whole a week of your time or anything, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So that's what we've done is, is really made sure that we're streamlining and automating as much as possible using, you know, video conferencing and online tools. We do, we have a coaching program. Uh, most people work with me for 12 months and we meet once a month over a video for an hour. Um, and they, we plug along through the program, starting with goal setting and then looking at, at uh, spending habits and debt elimination strategy and then a budget and bank account architecture. And, um, and there's a session called Your Finances 101. And that's our opportunity to look at, um, you know, what do they already own? <laughs> do yeah. they own a mortgage and not understand it? And do they have a work benefits program of some sort? And do, do they know what's in there? There's nowhere to get that information. No, no one's going to advise that. No, the advisor who sold it to you, they already made their commission and they don't have time to go over everything again. They got to go and sell something new to a new client. And an advisor who isn't yours, well, they're not going to volunteer to read through your stuff. The only way that you're going to get in front of them is one of these, you know, quote unquote, free consultations. Well, the system um, is obviously broken when, when that's how oh, it's yeah. set up, right? Somebody sells you an investment before you even know about your finances. That doesn't make any exactly. sense. How, yeah. how do they know that that investment is right for you? And the answer is yeah. they don't. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the other part to it is that people forget what their advisor tells them. Oh, yeah. So there is, there is a definite lack in um, the amount of planning and um, uh, that, that an education that's happening across the desk. Um, and what I see is as equally as unfortunate is that, that those relationships are um, they're fairly short-lived in our target market um, because there's not a lot of reoccurring revenue from the investments because the investment account is so small. Mm-hmm. Um, and therefore, the advisor literally just cannot afford the time to stay in contact and to answer those little questions here and there and to make sure that the client remembers what they said, what they told their advisor, what the advisor told them. I will relate it to getting a haircut and, you know, you you get your your haircut short and the next day you you wish that you had a long haircut, but it's not the stylist's fault that you have a short haircut. It wasn't their fault for cutting her hair. You went in asking for a short haircut and you might not like it anymore. And this happens in finance that we walk in and we tell people one story. And based on that story, hopefully the advisor does the best plan and the best job they can. And you might change your story six months later. And then you come back and you blame the advisor (laughs) (laughs) that your plan no longer suits you, forgetting that you were the, you know, you were the cog in the middle. (laughs) And I think that if we can find you know, as, as clients, if, as, as people, if we can find advisors in, you know, whether it's uh, legal matters or tax matters or financial planning, um, working with people who, I mean, number one, you really like and trust yeah. and that you have an intention of a long-term relationship um, and making sure that the, the person, you know, that the advisor has the same intention, that they want a long-term relationship with you, yeah, <laughs> that I, they like, are set up to serve you. Properly. I put it specifically in my engagement letter with my coaching clients. I put the lifetime relationship clause. Now they don't have yeah. to, they don't have to, it's not like, you know, we're legally binding uh, forever. 
But if they want to, I'm going to be there, right? Yeah. Because why would I start this? Why would I start this if I'm just, uh, you know, hoping to just make money off of them quick right away and then let them go away? The whole idea here is why we do this Mm -hmm. is so that we can help people gradually as they go. And then so they know what's happening at every step. Things change all the time, every six months. Every six Mm -hmm. months, you should be reviewing your finances with somebody. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, so like I say, we've, we've looked at, at how can we do that? Because when you're, when you're building a company in this target market, where there are less revenues being generated from the things that those that that target market needs, um, you have to be streamlined, you have to be as automated as possible. So things like our Facebook group, like mm-hmm. engage with us there. Yeah. You know, you don't necessarily need a meeting with your advisor to ask ask a quick little question. So much um, formality, you know, right? Our, we don't, let's get exactly. rid of the formality. Let's just talk about money. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, Facebook, video meetings, emails, phone calls, the financial needs analysis or the, you know, the, the financial plan that we do with our clients, they get an online access to it right. and they can, they can log in and play around with their own numbers whenever they want. We never understood that. We would ask people if they had a financial planner and they would say yes. And then we would say, okay, let's check out your financial plan. And every single time people looked at us like we had two heads. Like, what yeah. do you mean a financial plan? I don't have one of those. I have a planner, I but I don't have a plan. The, the, it still doesn't make sense yeah. to me, even though I'm fully <laughs> aware of all, all of how people do things. It's like, mm-hmm. how do you know how to make the decisions, right? If I don't exactly. know how much money you're spending on this and this and that, I can't even believe you that you say you have $200 left a month. I don't, exactly. know, I don't know that. I mean, how did... Like it's all guessing and, and people seem to be comfortable planning their entire future or their retirement fund or whatever they're saving money for, whatever their goals are on guesses. Yeah, exactly. And and so we really believe in, you know, holistic planning, looking at your insurance needs and your retirement needs, yes. uh, your debt needs, your budget and so we have we have coaches and and advisors. Some of our advisors specialize in you know living benefits like uh, critical illness insurance, disability insurance. That's a really highly specialized niche that is kind of unknown and even undervalued in in our circles. We have other advisors who specialize in retirement planning because man, there's a lot of tax strategies to be considered in that. Sure. And uh, we've got some generalist type advisors who. Uh, who can work on on the big picture, and then we've we've got the coaching side where we're going to talk about budgeting and and you know just getting out of debt, and we're not going to talk about these you know financial planning products. Um, that's going to be referred back to either one of our advisors or we you know we have we have no attachment. If if one of my clients learns that they need to uh, be putting more towards retirement, they walk out the door. You know they finish the video call with me with that information, and they can go do what whatever they want with that information. But if they want they to do send, something, you can help them, right? Yeah, they can yeah. They can send me an email and I'll book them in with one of our advisors or they can go online, they can walk into their bank, they can work with Uncle Bob, it makes no difference to me. And and really the, the thing is, you know, putting a plan in place and having them understand the plan um, and allowing them to be in control and make the decisions. And uh, And that goes along with our number one core value at Moolah is never sell anything. Okay. And I'm really, really proud of that because yeah. um, most of the training that all of our advisors have had in their decade of, of experience in this industry, I would say 75% of it is sales training. It's objection handling. And that's not how we want to, you know, that's not what's going to leave our clients feeling unstoppable. No, starting with like, if you start with selling a product, then everything else kind of gets lost, right? But if you set them up and then you say, okay, you know, these are the things that you need to do. And if you need help with that, here are some options that I can provide, but you're not, you don't have to do these if you don't like them or don't feel comfortable. Exactly. But but the, yeah. the point is uh, a plan does have to be implemented by somebody. Yes. So yep. why not use the people that you trust, but af- exactly. after you've made the plan? Don't the, mm-hmm. the, the plan shouldn't be made from the sales products, from the products, right? The products exactly. say, buy me, so they have to be in the plan. No, that's not how it goes, right? If somebody exactly. comes to you with a lot of debt, 
you're not going to say, put some money in an RRSP account. You're not going to say that, even though that might make you or, or your advisors money, because it's not right for them. And I think that's yeah. where we need to, to, to flip everything. And figuring out what's right for the client. You know, I've got, I've got clients who are, um, who are so motivated and excited about getting out of debt. Yeah. And, you know, so a plan focused on that for them is just going to, you know, totally accelerate their overall success. And I have other clients who, you know, have this debt and yeah, mathematically we need to pay it down because it's, it's, you know, the interest is there. And what they're really, really motivated by is saving money or investing money. And sure. so creating a plan based on, um, you know, that concept of personal finance is personal and figuring out what's going to keep them rolling. Because I can crunch any numbers in any which way to convince you of just about anything. Sure. That's our <laughs> skill, right? We're, we're, uh, we're Excel wizards. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and what's important is that you understand and, you know, are motivated by those numbers. And we've really learned that there really is no right way. There's ways that we know work for more people than others. But, the, you know, the a, a concept of nothing works and anything works. It's not, you know, it's not the system that works. It's the person <laughs> that exactly. works the system. And so whatever system or plan you put in place, as long as you're working it and understand it and you're motivated by it, it's going to work for you. What do people pay you for this? Is it like, a is there a set amounts or is it just depending on the situation? What... Uh... What kind of yeah, it's definitely dependent on, on the situation. So the conversation we have on our engagement agreement with our clients really looks at what their intention is with us. Sure. Um, we find that people come in for a few different reasons. Either they're coming in, you know, for coaching. They don't want to look at the, the long term yet, or maybe that's not appropriate right now, or products. They, they really want to start with the basics. And then for that, they go into our coaching program. And inside of coaching, we have two different options, which um, are going to be unveiled in the next uh, few weeks here into February. So you're revamping um, where the, the, the we're program? We're revamping, exactly. Yeah. And, and the first option is that they pay $49 a month and it's a DIY program. It's sure. pre-recorded videos of all the different topics and access to a monthly coaching call with me, a group monthly coaching call of everybody in the program. Okay, great. The other option is that they work one-on-one -on -one with me every month and that's $149 dollars a month. If their intention is on the financial planning side, then we're we're looking at the the true intention there as well. Are they looking for a plan that they want to DIY themselves with, you know, buying investments and whatnot online? Are they looking for just some education? Are they looking for a second opinion? If that's the case, our advisors are available for an hour and a half to those people, okay. um, and we charge them 149 bucks for it. Okay. And there's no strings attached at the end of that hour and a half. They can walk out with the information, do it ever they want with it. And then most of our clients seem to fall into into another category if they're really looking for a long-term relationship. Yeah. Um, they're really looking for that plan, the education, the guidance, as well as the implementation on, you know, the insurance and the investment strategies. And so we still work in a commission model for those and clients pay nothing out of pocket and everything's very uh, um, planning education focused, very, very transparent about, you know, what the commissions are. And people love that uh, that in those long-term relationships that they're not forking out money every single time they want to see their advisor, that the insurance and the investment companies will, will make sure that the advisor is compensated and, uh, and it's not up to them to, to write a check. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's how a lot, uh, the banks work, right? And mm -hmm. uh, the transparency, I think, is, is uh, the key word that you use there. And you're going to let them know exactly what fees they're paying Mm -hmm. and why and who's getting what uh, exactly that, right? yeah yeah yeah. yeah, and we see a, we see a flaw in the in the fee only model that's that's really popular right now. And you know the intention of the fee only model is that transparency. It's you know unembedding fees and and having clients know exactly what they're paying, and that's great. However, a fee only advisor technically should not be selling insurance because insurance is a commissionable product. Mm, okay. um, and so we have a lot of great fee only advisors out there, but people still need to buy their insurance somewhere and where are they going to get that insurance from? And is the fee only advisor going to participate in those conversations to make sure that they're being sold the right thing and that they're, they're dealing with the right type of insurance advisor. 
it's it's a it's kind of a gray you know kind of a messy area that that the industry hasn't hasn't really attacked yet like they have the um the commissions around investments yeah it's uh, i mean it's still we're still doing patchwork right there exactly you, you exactly guys have figured out the key thing and that's the holistic financial planning is is key and so you have your finger on investments and insurance and the, you can recommend the best stuff because you're looking at the whole picture and no That's one right. else really does yeah. that. It's very unfortunate. It's, it's really rare. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's really rare. You know, I'm doing this, uh, but I would send people to license people like you, for example. Right. So right. like yeah. I would do all of the intro work that you're doing. And then when it mm -hmm. comes to investing, send to investment people I trust. Insurance, send to insurance people I trust, right? Yeah. That kind of, if yeah, you need absolutely. help with your mortgage, that kind of thing. If we're talking about debt repayment, I can help with that. But anything mm -hmm. that involves a license, you just happen exactly. to have, you guys, ha you, you both have the licenses yourself, right? That's right. And you have yeah. people on, on, uh, on site and in mm -hmm. your, in your uh, trusted group who can put mm -hmm. it all together. And I think that's, isn't that where, what banks were supposed to be in the first place? <laughs> And maybe they were, you know, yeah, were they? before my time, but maybe they were. Where they you would just were. sit with somebody and they're, they're, we'll take care of you. We'll take care of yeah. everything for you. Yeah. yeah, and they would actually probably come to your house. Yeah, <laughs> what happened? Right. What have they done? They opened it up for the, for the rest of us to, to help That's people right. and, That's right. and to bring it back to what it's supposed to be. Like you said, mm -hmm. and I'll re repeat, is uh, making people unstoppable. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because right yeah. now they, they're not feeling that way. I don't no. think they are. I think they're they're They don't know. Um, they're confused by things that are available, products that are available. You know, for years, they, everybody paid high fees because that was the only option. And at least we're talking yeah. about that now. You know, there's yeah. a lot of different options out there. And I think the reason people would want to choose you guys is because there's so much value there. And uh, unfortunately, because of this, uh, all the fees are embedded in the, in, in the products and everybody sold products. People aren't used to paying for this. And that's, that's the unfortunate thing we have to turn around, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There definitely is a, is a barrier there. Um, and the other, the other barrier around fee only is, you know, how many clients can you really work with? What fee does an advisor have to charge in order to make a living themselves? Mm -hmm. um, and is that fee going to be affordable to, you know, our target market? Most fee only advisors are, are targeting um, household incomes, over one hundred and fifty thousand, mm -hmm. um, and probably five hundred thousand. Uh, yeah, know, or, yeah, quite uh, often. Yeah. And their, um, you know, their fees are going to be anywhere from twenty five hundred dollars upfront to five thousand dollars, and uh, and you know, our clients just can't afford that, um, and they are more than happy to have an advisor make commission, but they want the advisor to earn their commission. And I think that's where commission really went sideways in this industry is people stopped earning it. Hmm. They started taking it for granted that they could get a $5,000 commission from investing somebody's money. Um, and it, you know, it took them five hours to, to do, and I don't have to see that person for another year. Yeah, that's... Um, they, they really, really took it, took it, uh, took advantage of it. Yeah, that is, that is the downside of that. And it, it's kind of made uh, commissions uh, uh, very evil. Uh, in people's mm -hmm. minds, but you're you're trying to turn that around and and say, hey, it's okay because we're we're paying attention to everything. Exactly. Yeah, we're going to be upfront about it, and we are absolutely going to earn it. You're going to walk out of this conversation not only you know with a better understanding of all this jargon and how it all works, but you're going to have a plan. You're going to have access to that plan at your you know, convenience midnight on a Saturday night, if you want uh, to go in and play around with your numbers, you're going to have us over video, you're going to have us on Facebook, you're going to have us in all those, you know, convenient ways. And we're going to be here for you to help you make those decisions moving forward. Yeah, we're going to, you know, we're going to earn that commission. We're not going to be scared of it. <laughs> that, that, I'm scared I, of the conversation. I think it's a really great uh, philosophy. And uh, so where, where do people find you? I, I feel like we haven't said the name of the company once. Oh, you know what? I don't. I don't think we have the name of the company is Mula Financial Coaches and Advisors. I will say it. Uh, I will say it at the intro, and so awesome. no worries. 
But awesome. uh, yeah, so Moolah and where uh, where do people go? Yeah, so our, our website is yourmoolah.ca. And most people interact with us on on Facebook. Our Facebook group is called Black is the New Red. Awesome. Can people just join uh, even you... if they're not clients or do they have to be clients? Or Absolutely. How it, work? it is It is a non-client group. It is uh, a zero uh, marketing or solicitation group. Um, we have lawyers, accountants, realtors, mortgage brokers uh, in there all answering questions and participating in the conversation. Uh, for That's free. awesome. If you're not, if you, if you don't trust uh, Lindsay and Graham after this conversation, I don't know what it will take. But uh, <laughs> you know, if you want to just chat with people and not have to pay any money and learn a little bit, you can just do that so easily on Facebook. Absolutely, it's it's awesome. You know, we've got we have portfolio managers of of you know some of the like robo advisor companies in there answering questions. <laughs> nice. We've like you name it, they're in there from all all across Canada, and uh, and it's just it's a really fun group to learn. You know, I shared last night a recipe that I made for soup that cost me five bucks. <laughs> that was really delicious. <laughs> um, all the way to explaining how MERs work and the difference between, you know, life insurance and critical illness insurance. Um, we we cover all all the topics in a in a really fun and uh, and casual uh, type conversation. That's great. Uh, and is there anything else you wanted to say about your products or anything about Mula? We are really excited about the the brand new DIY video coaching program coming out in uh, in February, um, so people can check out our website for that. I think it's really going to open up this conversation to more people that might not be able to afford a price over a hundred dollars a month, and so that's something that's really exciting coming up that I would love people to know about. And do you have anything, Graham? I just think that what's most important to us is that we be a company and a, and a people and that you, that we deliver value and that we get to know people over a period of time. We give them information and then they get comfortable with all that information. And then they decide to buy something from us. And that's the kind of company we want to be where nobody sells anything. People can come around, get to know you. There's never this feeling of, you know, I have to buy something until you want to. And I think that's, that's what we're striving for. And I feel like we've, we've done a great job of being able to provide that feeling for people. I think that's yeah. great. I, I think everything yeah. should be set up that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's better. Just coming in with the, the hard sell and using whatever tactics that you're supposed to use as a salesperson to sell something. That's, uh, that might work for some things, but not for, yeah. you know, this is your, your whole financial life. Everybody That's right. shares this common bond of having money. <laughs> uh, it's the one thing we all have, right? We're all mm-hmm. different, but we all have to make money and we all spend it. And, uh, yeah. and we all should be saving and, you know, planning. Exactly. It's, it's a need. And, uh, and, you know, an analogy that, that we talk about is there, it's no different than food. It's a need. And, have you ever seen somebody pitching or flogging bananas at the grocery store? Yeah. You just... <laughs> they are there for you to go and see if they're, you know, too green or too yellow or too brown for you. That's right. And you make the choice of how many bananas you put in your cart. And there's nobody pushing bananas. So why are we pushing <laughs> investments and insurance? That's right. It's, this is stuff that everybody needs. And, and uh, you know... The insurance part, especially people tend to, it tends to fall off their radar. There's no insurance season. There's RRSP season apparently, but there's no like cutoff for, hey, you might get sick or, you know, something bad or worse might happen to you. Mm. Everyone thinks they're invincible, right? That's, uh, um, so uh, for life insurance and critical illness and disability, and sometimes we have some of those, sometimes we don't know how much we even have or whether it's going to be good enough. And the worst time to find out is when, well, you know, to, to go yeah. all the way, it was when you're dead. Yeah. Uh, you want to find the stuff, you want to leave your family with this or that, you want to be disabled or have a heart attack or cancer and not have even thought about insurance. I think we need to talk a, a little bit more about that, but we could have a completely different podcast episode. Totally, yeah, and on all of that stuff. stuff. <laughs> 
you know, we've got uh, advisors with licenses in several provinces, so we can meet people online over video in in most provinces. Well, that's good to know too, because it's not just it's not just uh, Victoria, it's not just BC. You're uh, you're good to talk to to everybody, not not yes, necessarily absolutely. everybody, but most provinces. Yeah, yeah. There's some that have have different li- uh, license requirements. I'm gonna guess um, Quebec is one of those. <laughs> yes, we will. We will not be getting licensed in Quebec. I don't think ever. You're not. You're not alone. I've seen it pretty much on every, anybody who's starting something that has regulations or something. It's like, ah, sorry, sorry, Quebec. Yeah, yeah. We can't, yeah. We can't yeah. Well, do whatever- it. Okay. Whatever we all do, you know, it's uh, regulation-wise. It's just about it's just about a complete one eighty in in Quebec. It so it's so, hard but to, yeah. Maybe they're doing fine without us, right? Um, Absolutely, that's fine. But Absolutely. Uh, but most of the other provinces, you're good. And I mean, of course, yeah. they can just ask you um, if everything's uh, good in their province. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And coaching has no borders. So That's right. You um, can coach. Yeah. I mean, uh, technically, I'm sure you could uh, coach anybody anywhere in the world, but uh, you know, not you, like like I would say, I wouldn't be able to advise on Roth IRAs and 401ks <laughs> in the states, but I'd be I can tell you uh, spend uh, less uh, than you actually make. You know, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, some of the uh, There's the basics the that translate across universal. borders, languages and everything, right? Yeah. Well, that's right. I'm uh, I'm really happy that you guys came on today and and uh, that we figured out how to get both of you on together. This is uh, really good to get to know you and to hear that you have a really great philosophy. Unstoppable. Love it. Moolah Financial. So yeah. thanks, awesome. guys. Thanks, Bo. Thank you, Bo. Next week on The Personal Finance Show, I have a very special guest, former president and CEO of Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, Richard Petty. If you enjoy listening to The Personal Finance Show, please show your support by subscribing to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. Please check out my website, investwisely.ca, where you can find all of the podcast show notes and links, and of course, all of my blog posts. I'd love to hear from you, so please feel free to send me an email at bow at investwisely.ca.